The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager, only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. Um, it's cold here. It's freezing. I've just spent the last 10 minutes trying to reverse my car onto the driveway without smashing into the garden wall because the ice has got me slipping all over the place. Mind you, it took me half an hour to clean the snow off the front of it earlier on and then uh, 15 or so minutes to clear the snow from in front of my drive to get it off. It is chaos here in London. It is a nightmare. I hate the bloody snow. I've got no idea why people like it, enjoy it, post pictures on Facebook about how beautiful it is. It is horrendous. It's the biggest pain. But you know what makes me feel better? The fact that Arsenal are Dubai Super Cup winners. Dubai Super Cup winners, that prestigious trophy that Arsenal have been vying to get their hands on uh, over the last uh, couple of days has led to the Gunners, uh, of course, giving us a bit of happiness with a trophy. Still more trophies than Spurs uh, have won in recent times. No, I'm just kidding. Look, it's not a serious trophy, but um, yeah, the Dubai Super Cup. Arsenal have won it, having uh, beaten both Olympic Lyonnais, not just in uh, 90 minutes, but also on a penalty shootout and then doing the same today against AC Milan of Italy. The Serie A champions beaten by the Gunners and then beaten uh, in a penalty shootout as well. As Temi says in the chat, champions of Dubai, you'll never sing that. Exactly. <laughs> That's the new song for sure. Uh, Harvey says it's like the Audi Cup. Yeah, but this is the Dubai Super Cup. It's probably a little bit better, probably a bit more expensive. Maybe. Uh, big hello to uh, Amira, who joins us, to Nav, to Ray, to Angry Guna, to Abdi, who says, Harry, what a rant. Yeah, do you know what? I I'll tell you why I'm ranting this time around. Like, listen, my kids love the snow. They go out, they play in it, they have fun. Great, happy days. Um, they built a snowman yesterday. They really enjoyed themselves. Okay, it's okay for a bit. But then when it disrupts your travel, it disrupts your work. You know, just now, 
as I said, the reason I'm a couple of minutes late jumping on this stream is because I went to uh, drop a, a relative home. Uh, and when I came back and I tried to reverse my car back onto the drive, I couldn't because it was the wheels were spinning and the car was going nowhere. The ice was taking me left and right. And I was worried that if I went too hard, I was going to end up backing into the wall on either side and causing myself all sorts of damage. So, yeah, just a nightmare, just a nightmare. And uh, as James says, don't you guys in England have salt that melts the ice on your driveway and roads? I, I didn't know that it was going to snow, so I didn't buy anything like that. I probably should have looked at the weather forecast. But also, um, the, gro the the roads have not been gritted here. It's really weird. Like, normally they do it, and I don't know why they haven't done it this time. I've certainly not seen it being done, not in my area anyway. Um, but look, anyway, we've been chatting for three minutes about snow and, and moaning about it and complaining about it. I know that's not what you're here for. You're here to listen to a review of the game between Arsenal and Milan. Arsenal uh, winning 2-1 in the end in normal time, as I say, and then winning the penalty shootout by four goals to three. Uh, Mikel Arteta named uh, a pretty strong side today, actually. Um, I was surprised to see that both Thomas Partey and Ben White, who obviously both returned and are both with the team again, uh, start the game. I was talking to a friend of mine um, who was covering the game from a, a Milan perspective and and he asked me sort of my thoughts, um, you know, on the team going into it. And I looked at the squad that was put together for the Audi Cup. And and I said, yeah, you know, some of the players are coming back from the World Cup now. Gradually, they're sort of being drip fed in to the group and into the picture. But I don't expect any of them to, to start the game today. I thought it had come around too soon. But Mikel Arteta, I think, made a real statement of intent by starting both Ben White and Thomas Partey. It was a statement that says, we need you all back and we need you all ready for when the Premier League returns. And we don't really have time to give you extended breaks. You know, we don't really have time to allow you to go and switch off for uh, any long period of time. Now, Ben White's situation is a little bit different. Obviously, we know that for personal reasons, he left the England camp somewhat prematurely. Uh, we know, or we think, according to some reports, it was never confirmed, but we think that he'd gone off to the Maldives as well after that with his partner. Um to kind of help deal with whatever the, the situation was, which is absolutely fine and fair. He's, he's well within his rights to do that. And then he obviously returns. He didn't play an awful, well, he didn't play a single minute at the World Cup. So you can't really say that he was burnt out and needed that extended break. But obviously he'd have been training when uh, at the start of the World Cup break, some of the players who obviously weren't involved were given a bit of a breather and a bit of time away. So it's only fair that those players get that time. But unfortunately, when you look at the way things have worked out, when you look at the way the season uh, has panned out, when you look at the way the, that we've got this World Cup slap bang in the middle of the campaign, there isn't really any time to give people extended breaks if you want to hit the ground running when we return. And I think Mikel Arteta will be hoping that with the exception of Gabby Jesus, who we all know is going to be out for a period of time now, he'll have a full strength side maybe with the exception of William Saliba um, for the game on Boxing Day against West Ham United, because, of course, Saliba's involvement in the tournament continues. Again, though, one that hasn't played, so not one, in my opinion, that really needs an extended break once uh, once his team's involvement in the World Cup comes to an end, whether that be tomorrow or whether that be after the weekend uh, if France go on to make the final. So, yeah, um, you know, it's a really difficult situation to manage. 
But I think, as I say, the fact that both Partey and Ben White, who have only just returned to training with the team, were included from the outset. I think it was a real statement, not a statement that says, I care about the Dubai Super Cup like Harry Simeon does, and I'm going to be singing about it for the next week. But a statement that says that I expect people, as soon as they're ready, to come back in and to help the team. I expect people to get straight back on board, and I expect people to be able to switch their focus from the World Cup tournament back to club football because Arsenal have got something to challenge for. Arsenal have got something to push for. Arsenal are in a really great, strong position um, you know, moving forward. And, and Mikel Arteta will be hoping that the club can do their bit and bring in reinforcements and and support him and Edu in their quest for success. But also, he'll want to see from his players that level of commitment. It's one of those things, right, where, you know, I've worked with a lot of people over the years that I always felt would do what was required of them, would work the hours that were asked of them, but would never, ever go that extra mile that little bit further. And I think that's fine. You know, people are well within their rights to do that and be like that. But I think if you really want to succeed at something and you really want to be the best at something and you really want to challenge and push yourselves, sometimes you do have to push those limits. Sometimes you do have to go a little bit beyond what is asked of you, you know, to, to you know, to almost demonstrate A, that level of commitment, but also B, get better and push forward. And and I want to see some of those players kind of go, yeah, you know what? I could go off and have three or four days in the sun and relax and, and recharge and refresh. But if I didn't really play, in the case of Ben White, who didn't play at all, William Saliba's hardly played. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd want those players. I'd sort of quietly as a manager be expecting those players to, to sort of almost not forfeit their break because you can't put a gun to someone's head and say forfeit your break, forfeit your holiday. I wouldn't like that if somebody did it to me, but there's a part of me that wants to see those players show that extra level of commitment and uh, and push, you know, and and move forward. So, yeah, let's see what happens there. But as I say, the team pretty strong. Carl Hein continued in goal, obviously had a decent game against Leon, uh, came up uh, as a bit of a hero in the penalty shootout, although it was the worst penalty shootout I've probably ever seen. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's um, let's let's talk about the team then. So Heining goal, the right back was Ben White, obviously coming back into the side. The centre backs were Holding and Gabriel and Kieran Tierney played at left back. In midfield, as mentioned, Thomas Partey sat at the base of it with Laconga and Odegaard either side. Fabio Vieira once again playing from the right, Reese Nelson from the left, and Eddie Enketia through the middle. So Arsenal took the lead through Martin Odegaard. It was a superb free kick from the Norwegian. It really, really was because I remember sort of thinking about when Arsenal won the free kick, obviously it was he and Fabio Vieira standing over the ball. And I thought to myself, that is the exact position from which Fabio Vieira scored against Lyon. It's the exact position that Fabio Vieira seems to come alive in. Just that half space in off the right-hand side on your left foot. But Martin Odegaard, obviously as the captain, pulled rank um stepped up and and produced a wonderful free kick it really really was wonderful if you haven't seen it yet i'm sure you can find it somewhere google it check it out because what he does is he lifts the ball beautifully over the wall and then it's got so much dip on it once it reaches the other side of the wall that it almost ends up in the bottom corner like it's beautifully executed check it out you'll really really enjoy it and as is pointed out in the in the comments the goalkeeper, Tata Rasanu of Milan, 
did not move. He did not move. He was beaten all ends up. And then Arsenal go and find a second goal uh, through uh, Reese Nelson. It it was a shot from Reese Nelson after some really wonderful play. Fabio Vieira heavily involved, probably could have shot himself, decided to roll it square to Nelson, took a touch, struck towards goal. And as Odegaard tries to jump over it, it just, I think it clips off the bottom of his stud, off the bottom of his boot maybe. And that just adds a little bit more trajectory to the effort. And that means that Tata Rashanu, who, you know, had, had sort of gone down as a goalkeeper, couldn't then get himself back up. Um, yeah, uh, unbelievable uh, move and unbelievable bit of build-up after Arsenal win the ball uh, high up the pitch. But a, a little bit of a fortune in that it took a deflection on its way through. And that really did uh, obviously benefit the striker. It looks as though the goal's been given to Reese Nelson at the time of recording, which is great because I think he could do with the confidence and I think he could do with, you know, keeping himself relevant given uh, that he's fighting for a place and trying to establish himself in this Arsenal team. Um, but yeah, really, really good stuff. Um, up until that point, I didn't think Arsenal were all that good today. Let me rephrase that. Maybe it wasn't that Arsenal were below par. Maybe it was because I'd watched the game against Leon um, at the back end of last week and I saw a really poor Leon side basically dominated and controlled by an Arsenal side that was made up of, of some young players and some players that are on the fringes and not necessarily anything close to Arsenal's first team, essentially. Whereas this time, Milan, I thought, started the game much, much better than Leon did. I thought they imposed themselves quite well. I thought that they kept the ball quite well. I thought that they had a couple of moments. The standout moment in the first half would have been uh, the moment where Divock Origi picked it up on the edge of our box, sort of spun away from Rob Holding, I think it was, and then struck the, the angle between the crossbar and post. So I remember sort of as I was watching the game and as the game was unfolding in front of me, thinking to myself, I'm I'm struggling here to work out whether Arsenal have been worse than they were against Lyon or, 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 or poorer than they were against Lyon, or if I'm just watching Arsenal play a better side who are much more capable of causing us problems. And I think it was probably the latter. I think Arsenal were, you know, of a similar level to the level that they showed against Lyon. They were ruthless when they got into the penalty area of the Gunners, and that's always good to see, especially without Gabby Jesus, especially when one of the things we've bemoaned about this team over the last couple of years is that we didn't always get what we deserved from our performances. And, and sometimes we play wonderful football with slice teams open, but we never could always find that finishing touch. And I think now, you know, there seems to be a bit more of a ruthlessness. Reese Nelson has added goals uh, in the Premier League. He's added goals when he's been involved in, in different competitions as well. He's doing it even in friendlies. It's, it's not about the the value of a goal in a friendly. It's about the habit, the the successful mindset, the, the ruthlessness that you need to show in front of goal. And I always say this, right? As somebody who played as a striker, my theory on being a striker is very simple. It's about habit. Scoring goals should be a habit for you. You should go out onto a football pitch expecting to score a goal. You should know where you need to be. You should you should make the right movements. You should know when you get in certain positions which part of the goal to aim for. You should know, um, you know, what your intention is before the ball comes to you. You should essentially have it built in in your mind. It should be a, a mindset. It should be a habit. It should be uh, a routine. And I think that's so, so important. And I think when you're a young player finding your way, 
when you're a young player, maybe in Reese Nelson's case, who thought he was on a really high trajectory, was moving forward through his career. People thought he was going to explode at Arsenal and then it didn't really happen. And he had to go out on loan a couple of times and then he's had injuries to contend with as well. I think for someone like Reese Nelson, it's about resetting. And he's talked before, hasn't he, about how maybe he wasn't as professional as he could have been in the early stages of his career. But I tell you what, he looks incredibly professional now. It feels like the pennies dropped with Reese Nelson. It feels as though he now realises what, what it requires. It feels as though he's desperate to prove a point to Mikel Arteta. It feels as though Mikel Arteta's done some great work with him and has got him to a, a much higher level overall. He was impressive at, at times with Feyenoord last season. People constantly were telling me about how surprised, pleasantly surprised they've been by his performances. But I think now you see a much more mature Reese Nelson and one that seems to produce a lot more end product. Okay, it's the Dubai Super Cup. It's a friendly at the end of the day. And ultimately, you need to be able to translate that into the Premier League and into the Europa League and the Carabao Cup and the Ever Cup, whatever. But for me, to just to see him sort of being a far more effective player than he's probably ever been is, is obviously very nice because he's always had a trick. He's always had a flick. He's always been able to beat a man. He's always been able to get into dangerous positions. Has he always made the right decisions? Has he always produced the final pass or the final shot, whatever it may be? I don't think he has. So to see him looking so much more rounded as a player is is obviously a credit to Mikel Arteta, but also to him more than anybody else for the, the hard work that he's put in and the fact that he is obviously uh, improving week on week by the looks of it. Um as for Thomas Partey and Ben White, as as we're going to run through sort of parts of the team, what was what was their performances like? Listen, I said this in the live watch along that we did earlier on. And, and a big thank you, by the way, to everybody that joined us for that. It was amazing to see so many people uh, with us live. But one of the things I said when when someone asked me the question in the chat, you know, what was Ben White's performance like was this. Actually, am I really looking for performance from Ben White and Thomas Partey? I'd like to see it, but it's not my priority right now and and this might that might sound weird like you might be thinking where is he coming where's he coming at sorry where's he coming from on this where is he going with this for me I know exactly what Ben White is all about I know exactly what Thomas Partey is all about I know exactly what they bring to this team and what they bring to the table so I'm not looking to be surprised by their performance I'm not looking to say oh do you know what actually he's quite a good passer of the ball or oh look at that fantastic piece of defending I'm looking to see players getting back into routine. I'm looking to see players fine-tuning themselves once again ahead of the Premier League restart. And particularly in the case of those two who have just played their first matches back, I want to see them come through unscathed. That's equally as important uh, for me. And so, yeah, you know, both of them did that. None of them were outstanding. But, yeah, you know, it was it was a game in which you could see, I think they were coming back into it. There were flashes of, of really good stuff from both of them. But I think, you know, the, the, the focus is that you need to build these guys up between now and Boxing Day. And sometimes that process, it, it takes a few days. It takes a couple of weeks, you know, and, and hopefully having them back so early means we've got the time to work on that. Um, I mentioned Odegaard's goal. I mentioned, obviously, uh, Nelson's goal. Um, let's talk Martin Odegaard because, again, superb, sensational. Uh, dictated play, immaculate touch, uh, unbelievably good at breaking lines with his passing. Um, and and do you know what really has kind of 
made me smile throughout this World Cup, by the way, is that I always talk about line breaking. I talk about the need. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. For line breaking, the importance of line breaking and how there are players that have really high past success rates but never break lines. And that's because they're playing it safe. And so that statistic is often something that can be quite misleading. Martin Odegaard breaks lines. And I don't think there are many players in the league that do it better than Martin Odegaard. Thomas Partey is very good at it as well, but from a deeper position. But the way Martin Odegaard just drops off and pops up into pockets and then line breaks with little flicks around the corner and things like that, it's just, it's a joy to watch. And we saw it again um, today. You know, it was on display again. Obviously, he was full of confidence after that free kick as well, as you'd expect. Stunning goal. Um, it, It gets you in the mood, doesn't it? But the other thing I really liked about Martin Odegaard today was his competitive nature was was on show and also his embracing of the captaincy and you might wonder what I mean here but sort of watching the game there was a moment in the first half uh, when uh, he was involved sort of telling uh, a Milan player to kind of ease off a little bit there was a challenge that went in I think it was from Sandro Tonali on an Arsenal player and and Martin Odegaard, I think it was on Fabio Vieira. I think it was that one where his arm went across, um, you know, the uh, the face of, uh, of Fabio Vieira as he tried to win the ball back. Arsenal didn't even get a free kick for it, but Martin Odegaard, you know, he was on that side of the pitch. He, he sort of leans over to Stefano Pioli, the Milan manager, and he says, it's just an effing friendly. That's twice now. And it, you know, you're going to get these moments in football matches, right? You're going to get moments of conflict. You're going to get moments where someone's upset with something that they've seen and and reacts and, and you expect both sides to fight their player's corner. Absolutely. But I really like that Martin Odegaard, who comes across as this really well-spoken, quiet, polite lad, has that in him. And obviously, as as coaches and, and as staff around the club and within the club, Arsenal would have seen that. They'd have looked at him and gone, yeah, this guy does have leadership qualities. He is captain material based on his ability, based on his availability, based on the fact that he is the first name pretty much on the team sheet or, or one of. But also they know what he is like behind the scenes. And and I think as fans, sometimes when we, you know, we're a little bit detached, we don't always get to see that. We don't always get to see that side of Martin Odegaard. And to see it today actually was quite nice. Uh, just that leadership, backing up his players. He also uh, ran over later on in the game when I think it was Fikayo Tomori put Marquinhos down on the ground after he had fouled a Milan player. But again, Martin Odegaard was one of the first people on the scene to kind of like question what was the need for that. Gabriel there too as well. You know you know that Granit Xhaka would be uh, in, in the thick of it as well had he been with the team too. So we're seeing that togetherness. We're seeing that leadership. And even in friendlies, you want to see that competitive edge. And uh, and Arsenal had that today. Um, 
I want to talk a little bit about Sambi Lakonga because, um, you know, again, this is a player that I think divides a lot of Arsenal fans at the moment. How good is he? Is he good enough? Is he someone that we should be pursuing um, or, or persisting with, I beg your pardon, in the long term? And, and I'm still on the fence with Lakonga. You know, I, I like him. I like flashes of what I see. I liked him before we signed him. I like that he was really comfortable on the ball. I like that he was brilliant at sort of bringing the ball out from deep positions and then pinging balls left and right and starting moves and breaking lines in the way that Partey can and that Odegaard can. He's come in with a lot of expectation. He's come in and played more than I think Arsenal would have planned for when they brought him in. I think that they were looking at his development over the course of two, three seasons, as opposed to wanting to throw him in straight away. But then I look at Sambi Lakonga's age and I start to struggle because for me, you know, if we're talking about a player that is developing, we're talking about someone that is what? 19, 20 years old. I think there's a point now, or I think certainly modern football we do get the odd late bloomer. We do get players that, you know, really come to life later on in their careers. And, you know, Olivier Giroud is a great example of a player that wasn't playing at a high level until quite a late age. But now is, you know, France's all-time greatest goal scorer, is playing in a World Cup semi-final tomorrow, could potentially be playing in a final again at the weekend, has won a multitude of trophies. So, you know, players develop at different points and at different times. But I look at Sambi Lakonga and I'm, I see a 23-year-old player I still don't know what what it is that we do with him. I still can't work out in my own head what it is that we should do with him. Mikel Arteta, um, in answer to a question that I put to him at a press conference recently, talked about the fact that the plan for Lokonga has changed a little bit. That what they thought Lokonga was going to be might not be his best path like it might not be what he ends up being in this Arsenal squad that he might end up being an eight rather than a six they they looked at him as a six and they brought him in as a six but Arteta said that they've probably come to realize over time that actually you know um you know actually he might be better suited to playing the eight role but again today I watched him at eight and did he impress me again there were flashes of brilliance there were moments where I looked at him and I went yeah that's what I want to see from you and I'm thinking, right, go on now and do this for another 10 minutes. Do this for another 15 minutes. Really stamp your authority on this game. Really impose yourself on this game. And then he'd disappear into the shadows again. And then he'd come back into life again. And you'd look at him and you'd go, yes, 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 that's what I want. And then again, he would sort of go by the wayside. And I find him a little bit frustrating at the moment. I think technically he's got it. I think he's got great ball control. Obviously a good passer of the ball. Um, I think he's got a good footballing brain. But I, I I don't know. Is he not applying himself 100%? I don't really know what it is. But there is something missing with Sambi Lakonga. And I'm starting to get a little bit worried and concerned about it. Not to the point where you've got to bin him out or to the point where I don't trust him in games or anything like that. But given the, the noise that was around him when we signed him, given the promise that he showed in the very, very early days of his Arsenal career, I just worry that he's stagnating a little bit and I don't really know what we do to try and, and you know, get him back on the path that we all know he can be on and probably should be on. So I'm a little bit worried about Samuel Conger, I have to say. Um, 
Other players of note, Fabio Vieira, some tidy touches again, um, some good moments in the game. I said during the watch along that, you know, I expect to see him play from that right-hand side a lot more than anywhere else. I, I said that when we signed him. I said to you guys that I think this is a guy that Arsenal will bring in. Profile of an eight, probably, but probably has the ability to play from wide. And while he's adapting to Premier League football, while he's bulking up physically, which he definitely needs to do, there's a chance that we do utilise him as cover for one of the wide positions. He's also interesting as well, right? Because if you bear that in mind, then, if you if you believe what I believe, and that's that Mikel Arteta actually thinks he's quite a good option from, from the right-hand side, then you've got to look at our forward options overall and you think, okay, so Saka's the right winger and the backup to him is Vieira, but then you've got Marquinhos in the picture too. And then you've got Reese Nelson, who you could argue can play from the right wing. I prefer him from the left, but you could argue you can play there. And then you go over to the other side and you look at uh, Martinelli and the role he's doing now. And you think that beyond him, you're looking at Emil Smith-Rowe. You know, you've got to remember, Emil Smith-Rowe, by the way, was holding down that position prior to his injury. Um, and, and you know, had that injury not occurred, might have still been holding on to that position. I don't know. But then we're going to go out and sign Mikhailo Mudrik, or we're going to try and sign Mikhailo Mudrik. And there have been more noises today to suggest that that is a real possibility uh, in this upcoming transfer window. Are we overstocking in certain positions and leaving ourselves short in others? That's my worry. That's not a worry. I don't maybe worry is too strong a term, but I, I think there's got to be elements to some of these things that we just don't know and are not privy to as fans. Obviously, there are things we don't know. But, you know, for me, Mudrick is a left winger. And if you've got Martinelli and you've got Emil Smith-Rowe coming back and from time to time you've pushed um, Eddie Nketiah out there and Reese Nelson is in the picture too, why is a left winger a priority? Isn't a right winger more of a priority? Or can Mudrick play anywhere across the front line? Or... Does Mikel Arteta see Fabio Vieira as a winger rather than anything else or, or first and foremost? And that leads to a different mindset. There's lots to try and unpack here. It's really, really difficult to make sense of every little decision that Arsenal make. But we're going to try. We're going to try. Um, but yeah, look, the performance was OK. It was of a decent level today. It was against a decent opponent. They then made changes. We made changes as well. And that always disrupts the pattern of these games, doesn't it? And then obviously the penalty shootout comes along. And you've got to give a shout out to Carl Hine. Um, mentioned him right at the top, said he was, um, you know, good against Leon, and I, and I stick by that. And I thought he was good today, but also um, very good in the shootout. He seems to have this incredible knack of reading where the striker wants to go. And you won't get there every time. You know, you, you can guess the right way. And if the penalty is good enough, you won't save it. Um, that's the life of a goalkeeper, right? But I think he, watching him in, in shootouts, he seems to have this incredible knack of reading people and understanding what their intentions are. And that is, you know, a, a really big thing to have as a goalkeeper. Estonian international got a bit of stick after uh, a, a below par performance against Brighton in the Carabao Cup. But I think this tournament has done him good. He's been the number one. Ramsdale's missing. Matt Turner uh, isn't ready to be involved in the match days just yet. Um, although I think, you know, when we get to the game against Juventus before the season restarts, I think those two will probably be 
uh, involved again. But Carl Hein has been given these opportunities in Dubai, and I think he's taken them. I think he's done really well. Other than that, not not really an awful lot to report. As I say, you know, with these games, it's difficult to take too many takeaways and it's difficult to read into them too deeply. But for me, actually, just just one final thing. I do want to quickly touch on Eddie Nketiah because he's someone that all eyes are on him at the moment, right? How is he going to do? How is he going to fare? Is he going to be able uh, to fill the shoes um, and fill the void left by Gabriel Jesus now that he's injured? And you know, I've got concerns about that. I think that he can do um, a good enough job if the environment around him is right, if people are, are performing, if people are stepping up. But I said, I've been saying over the last few days and, and why I've been kind of urging people to just chill out a little bit is that this injury is one that Arsenal know uh, have known about for a bit now and, and still have time to address uh, in the lead up to the return of the Premier League. Now, I don't mean in terms of going out and bringing someone else in, but what I mean is that Eddie Nketiah knows, you know, there's no, will I get a chance? Won't I get a chance? There, you know, you know, you're going to get a chance. You know, you've been earmarked as as the understudy to Gabby Jesus. You know that you're going to be in the side. You know that you need to go out there and deliver for your team and your teammates and for your manager, for the fans. So you've got time to mentally get into the right frame of mind, but also you've got lots of time on the training ground with Mikel Arteta. You've got lots of time on the training ground with the staff and there's lots of time for them to highlight to you what it is that Gabi Jesus does and does so effectively and how that impacts and helps the rest of the team. And if you've got that information and you can start tweaking your game, not because you want to completely change a game and rip it up and start again, but just because just to be mindful and aware of that stuff so that you can help your opponents. If you look at the link ups between Jesus and Odegaard, Jesus and Martinelli, if you can tune yourself into that same wavelength to a degree, then you stand a much better chance of replacing him seamlessly. And that's what we want to see. And I've seen things in the game against Leon and in the game today against Milan that tell me that that is going on, that tell me that that is happening, that tell me that Arsenal and Eddie Nketiah are working on, you know, not turning him into Gabriel Jesus. That's not going to happen. But just some of the things he does. So some of the positions he took up today in order to receive the ball and attract, you know, like flies around shit. Like, you know, you want to, when you get the ball, in a forward position, one of the things that Gabi Jesus is so good at doing is almost like being that, you know, that the shit, the jam, whatever, that the, the thing that the flies all flock to and all crowd into and completely forget as a result of that, everything else. And, and that is how you create space for others. That is one of the things that Gabi Jesus is so good at doing. And because of his dribbling style and because of um, how robust he is, he you know, as soon as he gets the ball, Magnet is a great one. Um, yeah, better than flies around shit, isn't it? Thank you, Amberly. Um, Temi says a point of fixation. Exactly. All good points. What you want is you want, you want that striker, when they get the ball, you want them to cause alarm bells to ring in the opposition defence. You know, that's one side of the game. The other side of the game is, yes, you want to get in behind. You want to pop up into certain areas undetected. But there are points as a striker in this Mikel Arteta system where you want to be detected, you want to be the one on everybody's radar. You want to be the one that the defenders clamor around and, and the defenders chase down and hunt down. And that is 
what I've seen Eddie Nketiah add to his game, just dropping into those pockets. But then once he gets the ball there, taking a couple of touches, holding on to it for that split second later to the point where people then start to fear he's going to turn and everybody goes all in and everybody tries to close him down. If he can survive those moments in the way Gabby Jesus does and then work the ball to other people, your Odegaards, your Vieiras today, your Nelsons today, that then creates lots and lots of space. And that is something that Eddie Nketiah didn't do so well before. And I think it's one of the reasons we felt a massive difference when Jesus come in because of that, more so than the goals. The guy hasn't scored goals for, you know, Jesus I'm talking about for 15 odd games. So it's not the goals that we're going to miss, it's everything else. And I think Eddie Nketiah, if he tweaks his game, and I think he's got goals in him as well, by the way, but I think that he could be, all right, not an ideal replacement, not a perfect replacement, but someone who can do a much better job than anybody's giving him credit for at the moment. And I, as I say, have seen just a few signs that he is working on certain elements of his game, certain aspects of his game under the guidance of Arteta and his staff that will make him a more like-for-like replacement to Jesus than maybe any of us thought he could be. And that has got to be a positive. But anyway, that was my my final point. Uh, I am going to run on. Uh, I am going to run off. I'm not going to do uh, a Q&A today just because um, my, uh, do you want me to be brutally honest? My, my dinner's ready. Um, it's been ready for about 15 minutes. It's probably gone cold. Um, I don't like microwaving it. It's not the same. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, j- jokes aside, like I am going to dash and, and um, we'll, well, no, it's not a joke. My dinner is ready, but you know what I mean? Uh, I'm making a joke of it. I am going to dash. Uh, we are going to be back tomorrow. We are going to bring you more Arsenal content tomorrow. We'll do a lengthy Q&A session to make up for that. Uh, please do, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video. That really, really does help us. Um, we're, you know, you know, we're we're hoping to continue the growth of the channel. We've only got 50 uh, likes on the board, but there's 330 of you watching. Guys, there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 100 uh, by the time I jump off this stream. So please, please do leave a like. It's, it helps so, so much. And the other thing as well is that, keep saying it, feel like we're getting closer though we are now less than 100 subscribers away we are 88 subscribers away from reaching that landmark of 25,000 subscribers a quarter of a century here on this youtube channel so if you could please do so if you haven't done it already make sure you're subscribed make sure you leave a like on the video uh, let me know your thoughts on the show um in the comments section below let me know your thoughts on the performance in the comments section below. Enjoy the World Cup action this evening and I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care. Dubai Super Cup winners. You'll never sing that. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 